0: And happy Valentine's Day, Memphis. Hope you are all doing well on this February 14th, the day of love or the day of despair, depending on your status with your significant other. We, regardless, are going to have a lot of fun because I love you guys and I love news. So you combine the two and we get through a two-hour morning show with a lot of of fun and having a lot of fun. Coming up on the show, David Kustoff, our congressman in District 8, is going to be joining the show in about 10 minutes. He's calling in a little bit early this morning. He has a busy day, but thought it was important to get him on because yesterday the House of Representatives impeached Alejandro Mayorkas, the crooked man over our border, by one vote. He, he literally got impeached by by one vote. I mean, that's the margin. Um, It was extremely close. David Kustoff, as well as everybody in the state of Tennessee on the Republican side voting in favor to impeach Mayorkas, except for Steve Cohen, which I did write down his remarks um, and I thought it was funny. Let me pull it up real quick. Steve Cohen we're talking about, um, the KFC guy. He said this, the House GOP showed no evidence that, hashtag Mayorkas, okay, committed an impeachable offense, hence their initial flop. Today's vote was just another attempt to help Trump. They disgraced the Constitution's impeachment clause and unjustly besmirched the name of a hardworking public servant. Okay. okay. Well, we have you guys. Can we play where Alejandro My Orcus said that the border was closed? Um, give me a thumbs up if we have that audio. Um, no, he. Yeah, take a listen to this real quick. It is my testimony that the
1: border is secure and we are working every day day and night to increase its security. I want to be very clear. Our borders are not open.
0: So that is why he was impeached, Mr. Cohen, was because he lied in front of Congress. The first soundbite you heard in that montage that we made this morning, um that was a congressional hearing and he said, let me tell you, the border is secure. And The administration, Biden's administration, is saying that's not the case at all. I cannot dwell on this too much because we're going to jump into this with David Kostoff. I have a question for you. Should Valentine's Day be canceled? That's a serious question. I don't know. I have some trauma from Valentine's Day as a kid. It wasn't the fact that I had to spend, I don't know, seven hours the night before Valentine's Day writing little candy grams to 14 different kids in every different class. I went to a private school, so it was a little bit different. But you guys remember the tradition. You wake up, you fill up your backpack with a million different little cheesy Winnie the Pooh cards and just start distributing them out now for the girl that you like. I remember there was a girl named Autumn. I hope she's not listening to this show because she's married now. It's fine. Um, I was a big fan of her. And I liked Autumn, so I actually went to the Dollar General down the street from my home, and I purchased a box of chocolate. And for her, she got something extra sweet and special. But I guess that is now controversial with schools across America canceling Valentine's Day or replacing it. Why don't we reimagine everything in this country. So there is a middle school in Massachusetts that has canceled Valentine's Day. Instead of sharing cards and candies, children at Hoozak Valley Middle School will distribute random acts of kindness, Graham. Mm, how lovely. So according to the local newspaper in town, they reported the decision was made by a parent teacher group and then the school superintendent is defending their decision. In the words of Todd Starnes, to kill Cupid. This story up on his website, ToddStarns.com the superintendent said there's this impression that we're trying to cancel Valentine's Day or we're telling people that they can't acknowledge it, which is simply not true. We just want to celebrate kindness year round. Mm. And they say this will help better the environment as opposed to all year, 365 days, the kids are fighting on one day. They're all sweet and nice with each other. So that is why they're doing this. Um, There was another school, and I'm looking at my show notes. Where was this one? Yarmouth Elementary School in Maine. They replaced Valentine's Day with something called Friendship Day. The principal there warned that parents of any child who showed up to school with candy or cards or flowers in their backpack would have to hide their quote-unquote contraband in their backpacks. (laughs) This is clearly an East Coast uppity-up-up elite problem. Because in the Mid-South, I can tell you right now, the contraband that is being slipped into Memphis Shelby County schools is not candy grams. It is calibers and weapons and magazines filled with ammunition. So a lot of people are saying that this is an attack on tradition. And there's no question. There was another story I was looking at before we jumped on and it was over should schools ban Valentine's Day cards. And so todaysparent.com wrote the piece and they talked to two different mothers. And the two different moms had different opinions. And the first mom said, no, it is a bad tradition, right? We're teaching kids to just be filled with love on one day. And also there will be some kids in the classroom that get more candy grams than others, right? There's popularity contests in grades K through 12. And it singles out different kids. Maybe the bully isn't getting as many You know, Disney get Valentine's Day cards. So the other mom said, no, listen, I actually have one of my first Valentine's Day cards that my fourth grade crush gave me. It's a cartoon cat that said, hi, tiger. Happy Valentine's Day on it. And she has it as proof of how her puppy love feelings were reciprocated back when she was in the fourth grade. So it's nostalgic for her. But she said, sadly, my nine-year-old daughter, Avery, who's now in grade four herself, won't have any of those momentums anymore because in their school, two years ago, they sent a notice home to parents asking the kids, do not bring in cards on February 14th. Now, get why. This is why. Um, it wasn't to rationale the bolster of self-esteem with these kids. No, it was to protect the environment. It's- too many trees were being cut down for these Valentine's Day cards. Here was the bulletin they sent home to these these kids. Can you imagine? They just wake up one day and Valentine's Day is canceled. The notice read, If every child at school buys a typical box of 30 Valentine's Day cards, it adds up to $3,000 three thousand 3, cards. Excuse me. It goes on to say in a memo, Imagine the trees we are saving by not exchanging cards in our schools. Ah these people are terrible. They want to cancel happiness, not canceling Valentine's Day or Christmas or Easter. We've seen here even in Germantown schools, they want to cancel tradition. They want to cancel happiness. I'm telling you, progressives, the left are the most miserable people in this country. But the question is very simple. Are you guys celebrating Valentine's Day? Did you spend last night with your kids writing a $50 million, or 50 million different names on these cards to distribute this morning. And then my follow-up is, should schools cancel Valentine's Day? Is it too much work? Are we killing too many trees? What say you? Congressman David Kustoff joins the show up next, but we'd love to hear from you guys. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. More on the other side. Don't go away.
1: It is my testimony that the border is secure.
2: We are working every day, day and night, to increase its. Security. I want to be very clear:
1: our borders are not open.
0: And that was the voice of Alejandro Mayorkas, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary. Well, he was impeached yesterday for some of those comments, lying to Congress, saying that the border was secure. But anybody with eyeballs knows that is not true here to break down the vote and the border crisis is Congressman David Kostoff from District 8 Congressman welcome back to the morning showing happy Valentine's Day
3: hey Ben good morning thank you for having me this morning
0: so pretty historic if you if you look at this vote this does not happen often it's the first time since War secretary William Belknap in 1876. That a cabinet secretary has been impeached, serious charges and allegations, but for a serious problem that he's failed.
3: There, there's no doubt about it, uh, Ben. And you know, it's something when we voted on this last night, and uh, people listening may remember we had to, we had this vote last week that was uh, was not successful because we had one of our. Members, Congressman Steve Scalise, who's our majority leader, who was who was not in Washington because of his health, he came back last night, and uh, you know, you just you look at the facts, uh, you, you look at the border situation since since President Biden has become president, and since Mayorkas has been Secretary of Homeland Security, and the and the things that I think about a lot are number one, the the uh, over seven billion illegal crossings at our southern border since Joe Biden has become president. The 1.7 million known gotaways, known gotaways who evaded our border control officials since since uh, Mayorkas has been Secretary of Homeland Security back in December, which is the most recent month of data that we've got. Over 302,000 illegal. Uh, immigrant migrants encountered at the southern border, and these are all uh, due to policies and decisions that Mayorkas has, has made since he's been Secretary of Homeland Security. He's been derelict in his duty. He has disregarded policies of uh, of the House of Representatives and the and the Senate, and he's put our national security at at risk. So, you know, when you take a vote like this, an impeachment vote of a of a cabinet secretary, and you mentioned it hadn't been done in our nation's history in a long, long time, it's something that if you're you're me, if you're a member of Congress, you take that very seriously. You've got to really make sure that, uh, because it's it's so seldom used, this impeachment of a cabinet official, that you're doing it for the right reasons. But uh, when I took that vote last week and last night, uh, it, was, it was an easy decision. It's an unfortunate decision that, that again, we have, to, we have to make. But again, uh, in the best interest of our nation and for our national security was the only decision that anyone could make.
0: Those two counts on why he was impeached, as you pointed out, is willful and systemic refusal to comply the law and breach of public trust. And I think when you look at the crime, if you want to say that, it fits the bill of these charges. So it will go over to the Senate. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer already calling it a sham. So I don't know. It doesn't look like it will go through there. But speaking of the dynamic between the Senate and the House right now, I did want to ask about this huge $95.34 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan passed the Senate before sunrise. This just the day ago, um, it heads over to the House House Speaker Mike Johnson saying probably dead on arrival. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. The big issue that a lot of conservatives are having is, yes, okay, Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan. But what about our sovereignty? What about our protection of our southern border? And it lacks any funding for it.
3: Right. And so, you know, I, I focus on a number of things. One is the Speaker of the House decides what gets voted on and, and, and maybe, as importantly, what does not get voted on. And, and to your point, Speaker Johnson said that the bill that passed the Senate yesterday, this big funding bill for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, is, uh, is not going to be voted on in the House. Uh, I, I will say I'm, I am concerned about the Israeli funding because, as you know, in the House of Representatives, mm-hmm. uh, since October seventh, we have voted twice on funding for for Israel, and we've we've got to make sure that Israel, who's our greatest ally in the Middle East, gets that funding to fight Hamas and you know to be able to protect itself against uh, all the other proxies of Iran from. Hezbollah on, on down. But Speaker Johnson has said that, that we will not be voting on this big supplemental bill that the Senate passed. We will not be voting on that in the House of Representatives.
0: Um, real quick, before we let you go, I uh, wanted to get your reaction to the report. I mean, you're a legal guy. This whole report by the special counsel in this case, interviewing President Biden with Special Counsel Robert Hur and what they found was they won't be charging President Biden with, yes, mishandling classified documents. Why? Well, because he suffers from a poor memory. Pretty shocking allegations in this report. Now, there is reporting by Axios that House Republicans could plan to seek more testimony from her and basically would ask the Special Counsel how... Bad it is, right? because anybody that can watch these press conferences with the President, we know it's bad, but according to this prosecutor, it might be worse than we all know
3: now, i would I would encourage anybody who's listening, I know you don't have time to read the several hundred page report from the special prosecutor Robert herr, but if you could if you could only Ben, if you could only read one page of the report, I would. I would suggest that people go to page 208, page 208, and just read that that one page, uh, because I think that that says it all. I mean, it that, it starts out by saying at the, at the top of the page, in his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended. Quote, this is Biden. If it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president? Question mark. Close quote. And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. Quote, this is Biden. In 2009, am I still vice president? Question mark. Close quote. He did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died. And his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him. And it goes on and on uh, on that one page. I would encourage people to read page 208. So from the House of Representatives perspective, there are a couple of things that you've you've highlighted. One is uh, getting the special prosecutor Robert Hur to testify before Congress, which I think will probably happen at some point. The other thing that I think would be important for not only Members of Congress, but for everybody in the nation, is to release the transcripts from those interviews that Robert Hur and his team conducted of wow, President yeah. Biden, so people can make their own decisions.
0: Would those transcripts just be written transcripts? Like we wouldn't probably see Congressman the actual video, the footage, right? I don't know. So that's
3: that, that's a great question. Obviously, there was a you know there was a court reporter there, a trans, somebody to transcribed the yeah. interview nobody has said that those that those interviews were were videoed uh, so I don't know whether they were or not uh, and maybe they maybe it's been uh, it's been reported somewhere that, that they were videoed I don't know okay. uh, but certainly the the written transcripts are there and, and just like I highlighted this one page from the Robert Herbert report, it would be interesting to, to see the questions or, or read the questions and and read his answers and, and obviously to get hers testimony. Now, if I can one more thing on that on that Ben uh, you know the the attorney general is entitled to the report that Robert herb produced last week or at least was made public last week. and as the special prosecutor, the independent counsel, he's got a duty. Like any prosecutor, to make a recommendation about whether to indict and or uh, take the matter to trial, what are the what are the pros, what are the cons, how do they win, how are they not successful? So he he had a duty. Robert Heard did to give all of his impressions mm-hmm. about Biden and and and. What his mental state would be and how he would how he would appear before a jury and how a jury would potentially react to him. So there's nothing unusual in this report, just like there was the same thing as when um, uh, Robert Mueller uh, released his report on uh, on President Donald Trump back uh, several years ago. All
0: right. Going to leave it there. Appreciate the vote last night showing that there is some accountability coming from House Republicans. Great vote, great job, and we'll catch up very soon. Continue fighting on. We've got your back here in the district.
3: Thank thank you, Ben. Best wishes. Thank you
0: for having me on this. All right, good stuff. Congressman David Kustoff. All right, before we go to break, let's slip in a quick phone call from one of our listeners in Bartlett, lady by the name of Kim. Kim, welcome to the morning show and happy Valentine's Day. What's on your mind?
4: Uh, I just wanted to speak out about the people that wanted to stop the Valentine's
0: uh, yes. in
4: children. First of all, you know, what's wrong with teaching a child to love one another? You know, and in the, in the uh, elementary school, if you can't bring a card for everyone, you don't bring any at all. That's what you need to teach them. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, the progressives just want to make everybody's life miserable because they got to be in control. But on the other side of the coin, where they said, "Well, we discontinued it because we're focused on the environment," and well, I wonder how big of a customer of Amazon those people are, because how many trees are destroyed making the boxes shipped?
0: <laughs> yeah! Uh, wow, that's a them. really I, good point.
4: You know, it, it, they are those people are idiots. I mean, it, I don't, I don't know what else.
0: Well, you sound sound like a lovely, lovely woman, and we've got to go to break, but I appreciate your thoughts. Kim, I think there's more people like you, good, right-blooded Americans than Marxists out there, and that's exactly what those people are. Thanks for calling in. All right, more on the other side. So don't go anywhere in this show. We are going to be joined by Tennessee Stands Executive Director... Gary Humble, We're going to be jumping into some state news, but Fox News was in town. Did you guys see that on Beale Street yesterday? They were interviewing a lawmaker, John Gillespie. Speaking of John Gillespie, we have hearing um, a committee audio from uh, yesterday's legislative session in Nashville, where they passed uh, not the bill, because it still would have to go through the Senate and then to the governor, but it made its way through a committee yesterday that would end this ridiculous bill bail system that we're now under that is supposed to make it all equitable for everybody so a lot more coming up on the show grab some coffee don't go away we'll be right all right coming up in a couple minutes we are going to air what fox aired yesterday which is when they sent one of their reporters lawrence i believe his name is lawrence jones down to Beau street yesterday It was like right in front of my apartment I sat down with John Gillespie, and John Gillespie became the mouthpiece for the city of Memphis that is terrorized by crime. Speaking of John Gillespie and Brent Taylor, both of them were at committee yesterday in Nashville concerning two bills that would limit criminal defendants' right to bail. You guys know we're under this new, I guess, equitable bail system. By the district attorney Steve Mulroy that wants to end cashless bail basically it is going to be or it would be cashless bail where we do not consider the financial status of any of these defendants well this legislation would say no that is not your priority when you are considering whether to give these people bond or not we need to know number one are they a threat to the public we do not need to know their race and we don't need to know if they are trust fund babies or or they struggle to pay, I guess, a laundry machine, right? Like, stop it. So here is John Gillespie in a committee meeting yesterday. Um, Take a listen to this here in Cut 9.
5: We're removing the, um, basically the financial consideration or the condition of the defendant's financial um, ability uh, to pay. Oh, boy.
0: All right. So you get the point. So you have the radical activist in town, Amber Sherman. She is with Shelby County, Young Democrats, I believe she's just ridiculous in every single way. She made her way to Nashville. Somehow these people don't have jobs and they can do this all the time. And she said, again, this is going to discriminate against black people in the city of Memphis because, well, black people, they're poor. Cut 10.
4: The reality of this bill is that it will cause harm to black folks who already don't have money for bill.
0: Okay, she is racist. All right, let's go to the phone lines tennessee stands executive director gary humble gary i know you cover a lot of news in this state house what a mess we're in here on the west side of the state. um but it is an interesting legislative session i can tell you that right now
1: yeah it's a terrible mess but um honestly it's really great to see the legislature paying attention to memphis though and working to do something uh about the crime uh that we have look in memphis and across the state but I'm, i'm
0: All right, did we lose? Is it still there? Okay, we'll try to reconnect with Gary. Not sure, maybe Maybe mute happened. But guys, just give me a thumbs up when we have Gary back on. Now, I want you to listen to um, a person that was victimized by crime. We shared this audio with you yesterday. You guys know the big crime spree that happened where this monster, this 20-year-old, went around the city and shot up people. Well, first he had to steal a car to do that. And he stole a Whitehaven mother's vehicle. Channel 5 sits down with her and they ask the mom what she thinks about this new bond system that we're under. Because this 20-year-old, might I remind you, had been in and out of the criminal justice system multiple times. Here is what the victim of the crime told Action News 5. Take a listen to this in Cut 12.
6: It was parked at my daughter's house. She woke up the next morning and it was gone. The cops were calling me at the same time she was calling me to tell me that it was stolen. And they were like, Do you know where your car is? So, anyways, across the city, gas
0: in the middle. The people are just over it. But we got Gary Humble back on. And Gary, not sure what happened. I'll let you finish your thought. But as you were saying, it's good that Memphis now matters because to have a healthy volunteer state, you've got to have all of these towns working together and not being lawless like we see here every single day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No question. So good on on uh, Senator Brent Taylor and, of course, uh, Representative Gillespie for making it a point to uh, take care of Memphis. That's their job, and uh, we need to make the rest of the case. Uh, the states care about what's happening down there in Memphis. So it is, it is good to see. Sorry about the technical difficulties earlier. There. Oh, no worries.
0: It is live radio, which makes it fine. <laughs> hey, I did want to ask you. So Laura Loomer, um, I really have some thoughts on that. But uh, so she sends out this huge alert yesterday. And Laura Loomer, for our audience out there that may not spend all of their time on X, and good for you if you don't. She is, she's not a Trump surrogate. I wouldn't think that Trump claims her. I don't know. I don't want to get into it. But she is very, very controversial, to say the least. Anyways, she sends out this big notice. And I started getting messages about this, that you've got some rhinos in Tennessee that are trying to block President Trump from being able to be on our Tennessee ballot, which is coming up. I mean, this is early voting. It starts today. Um, It's Republican State Senator Frank Nicely introduced this bill, otherwise known as the Tennessee Ballot Access Act. Now, you did some fact-checking on this. So for all of those people that are concerned that they're not going to be able to pencil pencil in President Trump's name, what say you?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's ridiculous. Number one, let me just say for the record, Senator Frank nicely if not the most, is certainly one of the most conservative members uh, of our state Senate. We certainly have a rhino problem here in Tennessee in general, he's not one of them. So it, and he's getting death threats now, and it's, it's just crazy to see that. But this bill, essentially, it's not something we necessarily supported. We weren't even tracking it. I was sort of neutral on the bill. But it creates uh, a verification process, not just for presidential electors, but for all offices, for state offices, um, uh, for U.S. Uh, senators, all the way up to uh, presidential electors. And essentially – uh, you know, I ran for state senate as a candidate. I, I understand there is sort of a lack of verification process right now as a candidate when you file. There's really not a set way to verify your uh, residency address or your, your constitutional eligibility in terms of the Constitution's residency requirements. You know, you're, you're, you have a one-year residency requirement for a state rep, three years for state senate, and seven years for governor. Um, and it, it's interesting when you apply as a candidate, you sort of it's, – it's almost sort of an honor system. You know, you put those things down on a form, and there's no one – there's no verification process. You don't have to show an ID, believe it or not, <laughs> to become a candidate. So I think, you know, in, in my mind, this bill was a step in putting some sort of verification process in place for all offices to ensure that the constitutional requirements are satisfied. And, if, and, and knowing Senator Nicely, uh, I would bet he had illegal immigration and some things in mind uh, on, on verifying residency and that. But, but the fact that someone that has been as vocal a Trump supporter as Frank Nicely yeah. would file a bill with the explicit intention of keeping President Trump off of the ballot in Tennessee, uh, who in, even in a contested primary would probably still garner 70 percent of the vote in our state. Uh, is asinine and shame on Laura Loomer for making the accusation.
0: Yeah, it, it took about two minutes to go into this guy's conservative record to realize he is one of President Trump's biggest defenders. So just wanted to clear the air on that. All right. Speaking of some controversy in the house, and I say this all the time about our state legislature, Gary, uh, another day, another drama, there is no other body in America that generates more headlines, whether that be Uh, These guys in the Tennessee Three, they're fighting. One's allegedly asking for $15 to get a photo with them. That's Justin Jones. Then we've got our guy, Justin Pearson. It's a mess. Anyways, I guess the activist community say there is a quote-unquote slate of hate. And these are bills. And I've got some audio. Channel 5 ran the piece yesterday where they believe the right wing of the Republican Party in Tennessee are attacking their right to exist and in some of their words they get calls every single day where these members of said community feel threatened and they are leaving the state by droves now take a listen to this here in cut number 15 here's a list of the slate of hate bills 15 at the top of their list a bill that limits the kinds of flags teachers can have in the classroom and
2: that would specifically include Uh, these uh, flags that teachers are
7: currently using to indoctrinate students in a particular set of values, including, including the pride flag, which is becoming more ubiquitous in schools. That
2: is not just a symbol. That is an open door to a child to say, you are safe with me to be who you are. So that's why we are fighting like hell against this flag bill. Then there's the bathroom bill that drew a massive crowd. It would prevent businesses from setting their own rules about bathroom access, which the Tennessee Equality Project argues targets members of the transgender community. Because it puts pressure on businesses to be the bathroom police or any entity, which will make it impossible for trans people to be out in public for long periods of time.
0: All right, so I'll let you take a stab at that. Darren Johnson, by the way, that was the chaplain, the trans chaplain that addressed the house chamber. You'll hear his voice in some of the audio we just played. but wow.
1: <laughs> yeah I I wouldn't call it a slate of hate. I frankly I would call it a slate of sanity And I you know and I, I would push back against the comment that was made. look this, this flag is all about letting students know that they're accepted. but I would say that flag is all about letting other students know that they are forced to accept, these ideologies as true. That's what's happening here. What 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 I believe the General Assembly is trying to do is push back against an agenda, and primarily uh, in circumstances where it has an impact on children. We are we are tired, and I think the Republican base, which look, I'm I'm thankful for. These legislators are being pushed by the base to run this legislation because I believe people were were at the point where they finally had enough. Uh, they're they're unconcerned about being called a racist or a bigot. We're, we're way beyond that. Um, culture has gone too far. The pendulum has swung too far. And so when we're passing uh, bills working to reconcile what is true in culture, that is a normal and a right thing to do. And by the way, a very appropriate function of a state legislature. So, you know, for example, this flag bill that uh, Gino Bolso, who's right here in Williamson County, is running. Uh, really strong conservatives. I mean, the bill The bill doesn't say, for, for the record, the bill does not say you cannot fly the trans flag. The, the bill simply says you can only um, show the United States flag or the flag of the state of Tennessee. That is a very common sense piece of legislation. Quite frankly, those Those other ideologies, whether it be Black Lives Matter, whether it be uh, transgenderism, does not belong in a classroom. We have got to get back in our education system where it's the academics that matter, where this social-emotional learning, where we feel like teachers have an authority or a duty to teach our kids how to think about culture and society and what sort of worldview they need to adopt, that belongs in the home with the parents. And so that's what that bill is trying to accomplish. That bill is working to bring education back to measures of academics and not all of these social constructs that we're trying to put together in our school system. So this, you know, flight of hate, whatever, it's nonsense. Nobody hates these people. Families simply want to be able to direct the worldview and the education of their own children without interference from these other ideologies. I think that's a pretty simple thing to ask.
0: Yeah, I I don't have the time to play the audio, but we played this earlier this week. There was a kid that was in the state house, and he said, not only am I feeling offended by the fact that you've got people like Gino Bolso introducing this legislation that would say you cannot fly this flag in these classrooms. I struggle even with the flag of the volunteer state because that represents bigotry, transphobia, Homophobia, wow. you name all of them. And I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, all right, then go find the California flag and move there. And you said they should. Why? Because that is what federalism looks like. <laughs> I'll give you the last word.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the point. I think all of this this uh talk about, well, we belong here and we're supposed to be representing here. Look, this is this is literally what federalism is all about. It is perfectly acceptable in our United States form of, of government, in a republic, for different states to have different worldviews. And I think Tennesseans are speaking loud and clear. We do not accept this worldview in our state. If that makes you uncomfortable, there are other states like California, you mentioned, that would be happy to accept you and, and allow you to publicly proliferate your worldview all throughout the education system. But we're saying we're not going to do that here in Tennessee, and absolutely, 100%. That is that is what federalism is all about. If you don't like it, move somewhere else, and that's just the way I feel about it.
0: All right, good stuff. Going to leave it there. Gary Humble, Tennessee Stands Executive Director. You can find out more about his show. All of that information is going to be at TennesseeStands.org, TennesseeStands.org. You can also follow their group on X at Tennessee Stands. Gary, thanks for dropping by, and happy Valentine's Day. All
1: right, back at you. Appreciate
0: you, brother. All right, good stuff. On the other side of the break, we are going to jump into a little bit more local headlines because there's a lot coming up, and I'm running out of time in hour number one. Fortunately, we get a whole nother hour. Also, our friends FCG, Joey Solapick, and I believe it is going to be Dennis Plyler this morning we will be dropping by the studio as well. Then we'll get to your comments nine one two six zero five nine two six. You want to ring into the show? We would love to talk nine zero one two six zero five. You're just too good to be true. Can't
8: take my eyes off
0: of you. Ah, oh, welcome back. This Valentine's Day edition of the morning show. Are you guys doing anything fun tonight with your with your person? I hope so. I've got five trends that last year's Valentine's Day says about couples this year. This is really interesting, so hang tight. Do you fall into one of these trends? Now, this is not shocking that guys spend more every single year on Valentine's Day than women do. Um, so if you look at cards for flowers, or cards to flowers, did you know that actually women are buying all of the Valentine's Day cards? 85% of these Love Day cards are bought by women. It's second only to Christmas, and it's card sending power. They also say men, though, are the ones buying all of the flowers. That's 73%. But get this, there are 15% of women that send those flowers to their front door. Psst, I won't tell. If you do, it's okay. There are single people out there. Believe me, I'm one of them. Now, they say this is a holiday all about making it or breaking it. Over 54% of consumers celebrate this holiday. And if you don't, you might be needing or finding another girlfriend because 53% of women say they'd end their relationship today if they do not get anything. So that is your warning, guys out there. If you have not purchased the girl anything yet, there's a 50% chance she's going to dump you. Maybe you want her to dump you. Maybe you went out. So therefore, there's a reason you haven't gone over to Pew's Flowers and bought them flowers yet. You still need to go to Pew's because they're a great local business. Did you know that 11,000 babies are conceived on February 14th? (laughs) I mean, wow. I mean, you guys are busy. And that 6 million couples plan to pop the question. 6 million couples plan to get down on one knee and, and ask someone to be married to them? See, I feel like that is just all too generic. There's 365 days. Actually, is this leap year? Because if so, there's 366 days. Which means the girl can actually get down on her knee on the 29th of February and propose to the dude. Singles be tendering is trend number three. There are roughly 105 million singles that are over 18 in America. Did you know that single women are up over men? 53% of singles in this country are women. 47% are dudes. Now, what's a girl got to do in that competitive market? Tinder it up. That's what they're saying. Bumble, I don't know. How do you guys date anymore? Hinge. Do you go out and meet real people anymore? Tinder saw an increase in traffic last year, 7.6% on the day of Valentine's Day. A little bit too late, don't you think? (laughs) All right, so let's talk about men picking up the tab. The National Retail Federation says Valentine's Day is a $19.7 billion industry. Unsurprisingly, men spend more on Valentine's Day than women. However, not only do they spend more, they spend 50% more. It's a huge tab on the day of February the 14th. The holiday costs the average man in America, the red blooded American man out there, $130. Okay, so how that breaks down. Box of chocolates, $15. Diamond earrings, $300. A dozen roses cost a man out there $40. Not at Target. Because I was there yesterday, and I saw they are about $20. But they're not nice like Pew's, so don't go to Target. Go to Pew's. And when you go get your chocolates, go to Dinch Don't go to Kroger. What else needs to be said and covered? Oh, this is really interesting. So a chocolate company named Hershey, heard of them? They surveyed men and found that men who once have sent cards Now we're declaring their love by text messages or emails. Oh, no. Guys, don't do that. I know the art of penning a romantic letter. Those days are over, I guess. Do you guys still send cards out anymore? About 29% of people will receive a romantic text. (laughs) This is not surprising, of course, because you guys know we are glued to our phones. So, I guess, guys do better than a text message or an email my gosh instead of sending the flowers and she's at the office today which typically and traditionally all the girls run to her hey someone just delivered you flowers now she's going to get a delivery in her outlook email and it's going to be a message from you saying happy valentine's day love ya that's not cutting it all right so guys step it up because you heard this statistic Over 50% of women say they will end it if they get nothing. All right, more on the other side. Don't go away. Our number two up next. And welcome back to The Morning Show. And happy Valentine's Day to all of our great listeners this morning. Now, as we were speaking last segment about all of these stats, these Valentine's Day trend, I looked over and I lost my friend Dylan over there. Dylan Dandridge, he... Helps produce the morning show and the national show, the Todd Starn show. Did he go to the bathroom? Where is he at? I hear the door alarm. The doorbell go off. And Dylan, as I was talking about deliveries, these guys showing up to the door of workplaces with either flowers or pews, you name it, dinshills, you got one. You got one from your fiance. I got one. So I got a call in the segment. From her. And I was like, this is out of the norm.
7: She's not supposed to be, you know, calling me yet. You know, she's not even awake. Surprise, surprise. I opened the door. She's standing there with flowers and a coffee
0: for me. Mm, you, you, Wait, sh- did you say flowers? Flowers. I'm not a statistic anymore, Ben. You're not a statistic anymore. <laughs> Dude, I'm so proud of you. So yesterday on the show, we told you, and what was it, like 50% of men still want flowers, but they don't get flowers. And there has been some psychology reports and studies done on men who receive flowers. They are better communicators. So Dylan yesterday had never gotten a flower in his life. We do the show and we talk about if a guy is receiving flowers, he will speak better and have better communication skills with his partner. Mm -hmm. Is it any wonder then that the day after that segment aired she shows up with flowers. Someone was listening. What does that say about your communication skills? <laughs> <laughs> I can feel them getting better. Because you've got flowers. What kind of flowers? They're there's not like some, roses. There,
7: there, there's a rose in here. There oh, is what kind? mix. I nice.
0: don't know my uh, my medical your flowers. names for flowers. Are they medical names? Botany. Technical name. I don't know. Um, we're not botanists. <laughs> They're very pretty, though. You got coffee as well? Where'd the coffee come from? I think this is from JoJo's Coffee. Oh, my God the best yeah they have some of the best coffee mm, well cool so needless to say i'm on a i'm on a high right can here. we ask trip hand the microphone over to trip trip is one of our new hires here helping out with the morning show trip did you get a delivery yet uh
2: not yet but uh you know i've sent out some cards to <laughs> some friends and family but
0: you have it yet. so what you're saying is there has not been a special someone knocking on the door downstairs that not, is no, not no. right now okay well we'll fix that are you can I ask you are you single or are you are you with someone I'm single and ready to mingle oh he's ready to mingle do you hear that conservatives across the mid-south region we have thousands of listeners that listen all over the world quite literally they were showing me some of the data I it's someone in like Zimbabwe so if you even in Zimbabwe want a date my good friend Trent, He is available, (laughs) and he's ready to mingle. Um, I, too, am waiting for that delivery, and I'd send it right back if I got it, because frankly, I just don't have time. I don't have time for love. Do I sound disgruntled? Probably. All right, so let's talk about some local news before we get um, into a great segment with our guys over at FCG. So you guys know, uh, Fox News was in town. It was like the main story nationally. Nationally our crime problem They were talking about our homicides we have some of the audio I want you to listen to it it's longer it's a two minute segment where Lawrence Jones with Fox & Friends sat down with state rep John Gillespie on Beale Street and here is what that sounded like cut for
7: Memphis
2: is where we're going now. It's it seen the worst crime rate in city history last year with nearly 20,000 crimes for every 100,000 residents.
6: One state representative is begging the mayor to take action. John Gillespie is live now with Lawrence. Hey, Lawrence.
8: Hey, good morning, family. This is stop one on our three city uh, crime tour. We got the state representative with us. Um, the DA in Shelby, Shelby County, what are they thinking? right now with all these criminals on the street and they continue to put them back on the street.
5: Yeah, so unfortunately I think we're kind of living in two different cities right now. Um, I'm in constant conversation with DA Mulroy and his ADA's and they keep on showing me data that's inconsistent with reality of what's going on here in Memphis. You can ask anyone, go around anywhere. Um, It's just two different mindsets and it's very unfortunate and as a result, we're literally being held hostage by about 1% of the criminals out there.
8: When you talk to your residents on a day-to-day basis, what do they want done on day one?
5: They want if a bad person commits a bad crime, they want that person in jail, pure and simple. It's not a whole lot to ask for.
8: Why is that so hard right now when it comes to this? You got the mayor who's been very supportive of the DA.
5: Yeah, so I think what's happening, not just here in Memphis, but across the country is there's a social experiment being conducted in real time in our courtrooms and in our jails. And we're playing with people's lives and people are sick of it. And I think some of them have great ideas, but Let's leave those to the classroom. Let's take them out of the courtroom. Such a
8: great point. Stay representative. All right.
0: So they go on and talk a little bit more. Um, so again, Memphis back in the national headlines. Speaking of John Gillespie, um, he and Brent Taylor with this proposed legislation advanced one of these bills concerning bonds and bail. And why that's important is, well, the story over the weekend where this 20-year-old had been in and out of our criminal justice system multiple, multiple times In one case, he had to pay $10,000 to get out of jail after shooting his friend Kevin. That is problematic. So one of these bills would basically extract a defendant's financial status because you've got people like Josh Spickler with Just City. This is a pro-crime organization that say when a judge determines whether they are going to revoke or lower bond, we need to look at skin color and we need to look at whether they are rich or they are poor, not whether they are going to shoot your grandma in the Kroger parking lot. All right, That's not important. Threat to society should be the last item on the shelf when determining this bail. Here's John Gillespie because this bill advanced through a subcommittee. Of course, it still will need to go through the Senate, then get the governor's signature. Here he is in cut night
5: We're removing um, basically the financial consideration or the condition of the defendant's financial um, ability uh, to
0: pay. All right. So as I said, you've got the activists. They are upset about this because it's in conflict with the Shelby County uh, District Attorney's Office, which just rolled out last February a new cashless bail system. How is that working For Memphis it's not going well right because now an 18 year old will never see his family again because he was at his vape shop where he worked at and he was shot by a 20 year old that was in and out of jail multiple times now speaking of that defendant he was in court yesterday and his mom was there speaking to prosecutors to the defense attorneys and to the judge Karen Massey she says there is more to this story I thought it was pretty compelling listening to this here she is in cut seven
8: this is real life. Right. It's something I got to deal with. anybody And everybody, the person that died, all that, everybody got to deal with all that. My son, like the type of person, and I'm sorry for everything that happened to all the other people, but it's more to the story. And when everything get out, they'll understand what's going on.
0: So that audio obtained by WREG, mom's name is Nikki, defending her son, saying that there is more to the story. Now, this 20-year-old, as I looked at some of the video of him in this criminal court, he was sobbing. It's just, I mean, a mess, especially when Judge Massey looked at him and said, if you are convicted of this crime of first degree murder, you will either spend the rest of your life in jail or we will kill you. Not the judge, but the state of Tennessee, right? This is an eye for an eye type of, of case. And the defense attorney for this 20 year old came out and said, no, 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 no. With anything this big, there needs to be a mental evaluation. That's what the mom is citing. The kid was unwell. And here is the defense attorney. Wants you to take a listen to this newly retained lawyer for this defendant, Brandon Hall, in Cut 6.
6: Is he claiming he snapped? What, you know, can you share anything at all as to why that request was made?
9: Anytime on a case this serious, if there's any indication of a prior mental health issue, you
8: have to file it.
0: Okay, so we'll be following this as it winds its way through the court system. 20-year-old will be back in court by the end of the month. We'll have a follow-up on that. All right, going to go to break, um, but would love to hear your thoughts on this. Do you think there is more to the story? And should a defendant's mental health be taken into factor and consideration in whether he spends the rest of his life behind bars or what we've done with the 20-year-old multiple times is we have released him. So two choices. Release him or keep him behind bars where, in my opinion, he deserves to spend the rest of his days. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to The Morning Show. It's 8.20, which means... Well, 8.18 means... My favorite segment of the week, genuinely, because these guys are smart and they are my friends. Emphasis on the latter part, but you guys are also really smart with money. And that is my friends over at FCG, Joey Solopek and Bill Gerner. Good
7: morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Happy
0: Valentine's Day. Yeah.
7: I, listen, I got a, a splash of romance when I showed up and Dylan was in the parking lot with this flower. and You witnessed that? Coffee, love, extravaganza.
0: Are you sick? Or are it you was sick? like an
7: episode of The Bachelor was happening in your parking lot.
0: Wow, wow. Yeah. That's okay. So, are both of you out of the doghouse this morning, or <sighs> do you need to make up and do something big, dental pews, to get out of it? Well,
9: when Joey saw Dylan, he got teary-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and let me tell you what I've been
7: married for twenty-five years. Every day is Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't just do it once a year.
0: That's that's mighty sweet of you. Well, according to A couple different stats that I have, and we'll talk about that in one second. Guys are going out of, they go overboard with this day. Um, Look at this. According to the National Retail Federation, they say Valentine's Day is a $19.7 billion industry. Also, unsurprisingly, men are spending more on Valentine's Day than women. Get this though, women that say that they receive nothing are 50 times percent more likely To break up with that man if they are not spending what it takes on an average Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah. So it's important. They
7: say it's not, and then it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I I feel like it is. When I talk to my girlfriends, if they're not getting... It doesn't have to be a a necklace from Tiffany's. Like, flowers, though. That's not happening. They're going to be in trouble. The guys.
9: Well, I... I don't know. I, I think the main thing that women want is to know that they're loved, regardless of what you spend. Spending a lot doesn't mean that you show that you love them, so I think that that showing love is the most important thing.
0: When you look at the breakdown of how much the average guy in America is spending on his lover, do you think it's over the top do you think it's reasonable? Cause share these stats with me because I'm quite shocked by this. Well,
7: you know... <sighs> Here, here's the problem, and I've got I've got young men in my my family. I've got two sons. They go through this kind of walk, and you want to show that specific someone that you care. And I think we've we've conditioned ourselves to go, okay, on this date, you hand me this, and that means you love me. That's really the bat the wrong message. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I it's I think it's right to show them, like Bill said, that you care about them, that you're thinking of them. That's the big deal. I'm thinking about you. I care for you. I'm listening to you. How can I show you? I, I hate everybody thinking it's tied to a dollar amount, because it's not.
0: Yeah. Um, average guy spends $175 on a gift? That's quite shocking. Up over women, this isn't shocking, $89. All
7: right. Now, here's one. What's the best-selling Valentine's candy? Mm-hmm. Number one. Anybody? Um, a Hershey kiss. Yeah, okay. That's a good guess. Mm-hmm. M&M's. m and Do you guys have any? Yeah. In there? Candies? Uh, candy. Prices? Races? No. The, you're not going to like the answer, but you're going to know it's true as soon as I say it. What is it? It's those little uh, conversation hearts.
0: Oh, the little, little heart chalk, came... little chalky. Yeah.
7: That's number one. Those are gross. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're terrible. All right, so let, let, let's spend a minute on love and money yep. because we know, and I said on the break, we're not going to be the Debbie Downer. We know that divorce rates in this country are really high, and you shared this with me, Joey, last time. It is what, number one or number two biggest cause for marital issues? Money. Money. Okay. Yeah. So is there a way to have financial compatibility? And if there is, how is it done? Because according to a, stu- uh, a survey, Wallet Hub did this. Seven in 10 Americans married or living with a partner. 69% of those say they had a disagreement with their companion about finances. Disagreements most often revolve around needs versus wants that is 36 28% of those respondents said it is spending priorities and lastly at 22% of respondents saying that is making purchases without the other one knowing so how do you start with that compatibility you know
7: and i know bill's got some thoughts on this as well we've both been married for many years you've got to communicate i think that's one of the things i see becomes a an issue in new relationships or old relationships are you speaking clearly and lovingly about those critical issues are you saying things out loud that you're thinking to plan for your future right Mm -hmm. communicating and having a plan so that you both are on the same page if you're not on the same page that's where the friction hits
0: yeah
9: my answer is just two words yes dear (laughs)
0: Oh, no, but that's not... Okay, so I I have a personal story, and I'm going to get in trouble for sharing this. But so, like, if my dad went on a big hunting trip to Alaska, which he would do frequently, my mom would grab her credit card. Not credit card. I don't know. She had cards, multiple. And she would say, all right, if dad's doing that, then I'm doing this. Yeah. A tit for tat. I think that's natural, but it can sometimes lead to more disagreements, a lack of cohesiveness in that relationship. Well maybe that worked for them you
7: know that that blend of okay they're maybe, still together okay. They're still All together. Right. that's
0: good they're beating the stats I,
7: but if you're if you're trying I listen and i know this isn't a relationship show but if but you when you're talking about money you've got to have an open communication and there are ugly words people don't want to hear things like budget or plans <laughs> everybody goes wah, wah, that's not
0: romantic wah, wah, come on
7: but that can solve a lot of issues down the road that don't build and build and build because that you know relationships are kind of like tectonic plates They push against each other until the pressure gets so much and then there's an earthquake. You don't want that to happen.
9: Yeah. i said this before. um, It sounds like a good idea now, but when you get the credit card bill, it wasn't so good.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And we've also talked on this show. We'll move on one second about joint accounts. I think that I'm coming around to this because I think I said on the record last time that if I were to enter into a relationship, being such a independent guy, because I am, it would be tough for me to just joint loop everything into one old account. But if you do not, then again, you're working in your own space when you are entering into a union, causing obstacles, no doubt, for just leaving things out from each other, not being completely transparent, if I can say that.
7: That's a hot topic for me. I, I don't like the separate accounts. And I've got a lot of friends who have done that and... There, I, this is going to, if you're listening, friends, I'm not talking about you specifically. A lot of those relationships don't make it because they haven't committed to each other. Let's commingle our lives. And that, listen, when you've got added responsibility, you sometimes step up to the plate more and go, okay, I've got to take care of both of us. I need to be more responsible. I mean, I think that's part of that relationship.
0: Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Um, we could talk about this for a lot more, but we have you guys next week. So let's move on to another topic. This is really interesting to me because I saw the headline. And I almost did not believe it on its face. So I need you to explain why this is an accurate headline. Younger adults are seeing more money in their pocket post the pandemic. Now, I would have thought it would have been backwards. 2020, things were good. And then 2020 of March happened and it went to crap.
7: It's how they're investing. Okay. Okay. Uh, younger adults are investing aggressively. Older adults more conservatively in the market the past three
9: years, as uh, Bill and I have been watching it really closely, has, has really favored those who invest aggressively. Right. They're putting money in stocks and the younger people um, are learning. So they've had a high growth rate and increase in wealth in the last few years. The younger, under 40 years old, are doing well.
0: Do we know Anecdotally, why this could be the case that guys and girls under the age of 40, these younger adults, are starting to get with it more than maybe a generation prior?
9: I think it was the COVID, uh, because this more of the stimulus checks went to the younger people, and, um, ah, interesting. So they had more money to spend. And, and, and what we didn't tell you is that we got this from the New York, um, Liberty Economics Group. So we get, we got a lot of information from them on this. We didn't just make it up for this morning.
0: <laughs> mm, that's good. No fake news on the morning show, especially concerning finances. Um, yeah, that's interesting to me because it also cites in here that their exposure to stocks is another reason that they are keeping and retaining more money. Why is that exposure? Is it just more a, a, a conversation over dinner? Why do we know... And how do we know that these kids are getting more exposure to what would be a very difficult topic?
7: Stocks are a, a more aggressive way to go. You've got different, th- different vehicles you can invest in. There's stocks, there's bonds, there's, there's all types of things that can be put together. And when and Bill and I and F- FCG is looking at someone and going, okay, you're young, you're been, you've got lots of years, let's give you an yeah, aggressive okay. profile. Yeah. If you're older, you know, and you are like, oh, I need to be really be
9: careful. You've got a more conservative profile and that really plays a big role. Right. I mean, younger people have more time, so you can certainly bend, invest in riskier assets, and, and they're doing it.
0: Okay. I want to, in a week from now or two weeks, I'm pulling up my Kindle because I just got this book, and it's on old money, the difference between old money. And this is kind of off topic, and we don't have time to jump into it, but it's really interesting. I was reading this book. Um, pulling it up. One second. Um, the Old Money book. Have you guys heard How to Live a Better Life? life while spending less. It's really fascinating. I'll share what I learned from it on the air with you guys in a couple of weeks, because it goes to another thing that that survey, that uh, data that you just brought showed us that while these young people may be getting more money in their pockets, it's worth noting that the older generation still has accumulated a lot of wealth.
9: Well, one one statistic on that. I mean, 5% of the wealth comes from uh, people under 40 years of age. And 72% comes from uh, people 54 and older. Wow. So that may tie into what you were talking about a little bit.
0: All right, good stuff. All right, going to leave it there. When I was looking at these five steps to help couples strengthen financial compatibility, number six was contact your local financial consultant. Called FCG. That would be yeah. you guys. <laughs> they didn't even ask and cite you in the piece, but we'll do that this morning. So once you guys this morning, if you have any questions in your relationship, concerning a it, 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 think as big as money these are your guys to talk to call them at 901-309-2680 again that number is 901-309-2680 you can also go to their website fcgtn.com fcgtn.com Joey give you the last word or bill oh i want to
9: i don't want Joey to have that no. opportunity money is a true measurement of the heart
0: And happy Valentine's, everybody. Ooh, I like that. Leaving us a little nugget of truth and Valentine's Day themed. We've got more of that on the other side. Thanks for dropping by, guys. Don't go away. Thanks. (laughs) And welcome back to the morning show. All right. Let me read some of your comments this morning before we get into a couple different interesting stories and happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Hope you guys are. Oh, I like this comment by Justin Johnson and it refers to love day today. We could show our love and for our country and county and go vote. Let's paint Shelby County red and make Tennessee Trump country and send Nikki home. All right. I like that. I can endorse that message dana says good morning um dana also says here's what i think about omnibus bills she's referring to the massive one that the senate republicans colluded with the democrats and it was all for ukraine and not our southern border she says they are like a pot of gumbo i want to know what's in it and who made it if someone puts oh my goodness my my phone it's not my phone, my laptop. It's everywhere this morning. If someone puts even the littlest turd in there, throw it out and start over. There we go. That was worth waiting for. Um, yeah, lots of poo-poo in these omnibus bills. Sorry for those people eating. Um, Kelsey says, if you don't have money for bail, then don't commit the crime. It's really that simple. He can get therapy in jail, of course, referring to this twenty. 20- year old defendant that went on a shooting spree across the city of memphis you're exactly right and to kelsey's point they want to talk about the financial status of perpetrators of crime every single day here people like josh bickler and amber sherman that is a memphis activist um, that we talk about all the time um they say that bonds discriminate against black people well you want to know what discriminates against black people in really every memphian here not setting high bonds and releasing these perpetrators back out onto the streets because what will happen because it happened to a lady named Dominique Coleman. Dominique is the mom of two that was at that parking lot, at her church's parking lot on Sunday when the 20-year-old Quadrarian Craft came and carjacked her, threatened her and her family that he would shoot her if she did not give him the vehicle that he would end up using to go on this uh, tirade across the city of Memphis. And so Channel 5 And got to give some credit to Joyce Peterson. She did a big story on bail and how it is not discriminating against defendants. It is discriminating against the victims of crime because what's happened to Dominique in the days after Sunday was they took her car. It is one of the main pieces of evidence in making sure Quadrarian goes to jail for the rest of his life. So what's a mom to do? She's got to go to the grocery store. She's got to go to her job we shared her um go fund me link yesterday on our stop memphis crime page because she says i'm about ready to be fired because i cannot get to work i've lost my mode of transportation and here is what she had to
8: say in cut eight. i mean i can't even you know call a uber a Lyft because i don't have no, any money now i'm right back at square one don't have anything have to start all over again
6: jobless and without wheels dominique is left to wonder did shelby county's bail system let her down
8: i'm a nice person i help people you know if i can as well so i just look at it maybe god just let things happen for a reason maybe he gets a bigger or better blessing coming my way mm,
0: i'm praying that dominique gets a bigger and better blessing But how twisted is it that these radical activists like Josh Spickler, District Attorney Steve Mulroy, only want to talk about black perpetrators being discriminated against with bonds, but not people like Dominique, who was serving God on Sunday morning when her car was stolen, stolen, and now she's lost her job. They're awful, awful, demented, demented people. These radical pro-criminal Democrats that we share the streets and communities with in this city. I I really can't stand them. Um, So here is Amber Sherman. She went to Nashville yesterday. This is one of the radical activists that is making the link that black people are poor people. So to require them to have a bond and a bail amount is to discriminate against black people. We've got this audio cuts in.
4: The reality of this bill is that it will cause harm to black folks who already don't have money for bail.
0: Then Josh Spickler, he's the director for this pro-criminal group. Just City told the panel where John Gillespie was sitting there, he's the guy behind this bill that would come out and say, we're not going to consider your financial status when determining, determining whether you need to be behind bars or not. What we need to be looking at is, are you a threat to Memphis, to Shelby County? Here is Josh Spickler, cut 11.
5: One of the most powerful things this government can do is take away someone's liberty. So it must be done only with incredible care and after a lot of deliberation, especially if we really are innocent until proven guilty.
0: Okay, he's a moron. Uh, The other day, he just tweeted out something about their new cashless bow system that is destroying black lives in Memphis. And he says, oh, these right wingers are coming after us because we're trying fresh ideas. We're doing new things in our city to right the wrong of slavery. And this is an experiment and it's working. And I responded to Josh Spickler and the crooked folks over at Just City. And I said, Well, you need to stop your fresh ideas and your new experience experiments, excuse me, because they're killing people. They're killing the people that you claim to care so much about. Black Memphians, it's it's absolutely awful. All right. Speaking of killing, they are killing businesses in this city. There was a report WREG did, and it was a long one. It was like six minutes long, but they talked to a couple different business owners, and I've reached out to one of them to get them on the morning show, and we're working on doing that. But it's talking about the negative impact that crime has had on local businesses. So the reporter talks to two different business owners, Talisa Franklin She was the, and was, is past tense, the business owner of Flowers and More on Summer Avenue near Baltic. She has since had to close her business because of -of out-of-control crime here. The other guy that you'll hear from in this audio that we pulled is Tracy Whitney. He is the owner of High Pockets. He's also closing his business. Take a listen to these two in Cut 20.
6: One time they broke in and they came through this window. A flower shop and pool hall both battling a common enemy.
2: Break into a foyer area through a glass door, then break through another glass door.
6: Threatening their security, finances, and dreams.
4: There's a lot of young little girls and young little boys that never dreamed of walking in a flower shop. I thought I was going to fix some of the
6: problems by being a beacon of light. It worked. Her flower shop flourished until... Last year, April 29th is when they stole the cameras and the lighting off the building she says she closed her doors and started moving out around the same time. The owner of a pool hall got a letter in the mail. Tracy Whitney found out the man who broke into his business would finally have his day in court
2: Christmas Eve of 2022, um, my building was vandalized and murderized.
6: His security cameras captured it, a bold thief busting a window and stealing the quarter machine.
2: I was watching News Channel 3 and I seen a story on another business owner who had been broken into the same time I had.
6: The guy in their security footage looked like the man in his, he told police.
2: I just assumed that they probably captured him, they knew who he was, six, eight months later, Again, I get a text at 1 o'clock in the morning. My business has been burglarized. It affects my business. Uh, it costs me more money, of course, with security guards, things like that. It's a lot of stress. Um, and so a lot of business owners, you know, can't handle that.
6: Franklin agrees the city has to address the root causes. But until that happens, there's no way you can win. No way. And the pool hall owner down the street felt that way too when another letter came in the mail. Opened it up and it has all of his information
2: Says that they arrested him and he pleaded guilty to burglarizing my business and doing over $2,500 in vandalism and that they gave
6: him time served one day. One day even though the man was facing other burglary charges and had a long rap sheet that included more burglaries, forgery, and theft. Do you think he'll do it again?
2: Oh, I'm sure he will. Uh, I'm sure he will. It's not even a question.
0: One day, one day, and you heard that reporter, Jessica Gertler, great job, by the way. She emphasizes that this known thug that keeps on breaking into this poor guy's business was given one day. And then the reporter asked the follow-up, good journalistic question, do you think that with the consequences that this burglar received for breaking into your shop multiple times in multiple other stores across the city, will he do it again? And he said, of course. That's what everybody in this city is thinking. Of course they're going to keep on doing this. Now, she went on and talked to the district attorney, Steve Mulroy, because a lot of people are now furious at his office for these bonds and how low these bells are being set and it's very interesting how the district attorney is navigating this tricky tricky situation that he's in because on one hand he will say we make no decision when it comes to bail; that is solely the judges and the judicial commissioners we will accuse ourselves um and here is what he told this reporter wants you to take a listen cut 17 you
6: get a lot of the blades yes
2: that is definitely true. That is definitely uh, one unpleasant part of this job. Uh, so the thing that needs to be cleared up is DAs don't
4: set bail.
6: DA Mulroy says his office can only make recommendations. But what they can do when it comes to certain violent crimes, his office is asking that the public safety part get proper weight. And if the defendant is released, they get some kind of monitoring.
2: And if they are in fact rearrested, we're going to immediately and always move to revoke the bond.
0: Okay, so a little bit too late for the district attorney, right? If this perpetrator ends back out onto the streets and then he recommits a crime, maybe two or three times, then what? Your recommendation gets stronger? Why aren't you there? Why aren't your prosecutors in your office there on trial one advocating that this thug should not be out onto the streets? Because all you have to do is look at their criminal records. And most of these people have them. They're long and they are lengthy. It's very interesting about this case with Quadrarius Craft, this 20-year-old that went on this rampage across the city. The district's attorney's office is totally different in its tone with how they are stepping in to make sure this kid never sees the light of the day. Like the light of day, never again. Because if you look at their statement, they said, the district attorney's office asked for the bond to be revoked. Okay. So why don't you do that for all of these other cases? Because now when the entire city is talking about this crazy shooting that happened over the weekend, which we all should, but we talk about these stories every single day and your office can only suggest, lightly recommend, but in this case where all the reporters are covering it and sending you emails to ask for a response. In this case, you have strongly asked for bond to be revoked. And guess what? The judge listened to him. So where are you in all of the other cases for people like Tracy Whitney, the poll hall owner? What about Talisa Franklin? She doesn't have a business anymore because you couldn't make the case that these thugs that continue be, being picked up and released should be back out of jail. Like, Where were you for those people is my question. All right, get to take a break. More on the other side. Seeing some of your comments, we'll get into those and then have a little bit of fun as we wrap up this Valentine's Day edition of The Morning Show. You're listening to Wake Up Memphis. We'll be right back. In sickness and in health, for better or for worse, welcome back to the Valentine's Day edition of The Morning Show. So a new survey finding that two in five Americans say their mom takes better care of them than their significant other does. Maybe we zoom in on the study a little bit more. Men say that their moms take better care of them than their girlfriends or wives. (laughs) Am I I shocked by this? I'm not. So it was a survey done um, last month. 2,000 people employed adults. And it's very interesting. So women say that uh, the the same was not true about women. Women really didn't care. What they found in this survey was women were fine taking care of themselves. As a matter of fact, they call it being alone while being sick. Women prefer taking care of themselves, where men actually prefer women to take care of themselves. All the ladies out there are like, duh. (laughs) So according to this survey... Um, 68% of men said they are more likely to depend on a woman when they are six as, uh, sick as opposed to 28% of women who said they can take care of themselves, okay? If you look at the study a little bit carefully, 47% of men said they believe that their moms took better care of them than their significant other, right? They're missing mama, Now, this is really interesting because it then went into how men and women think that the other sex handles being sick. Get this, nearly 80% of the ladies out there think that they handle being sick better than men. They do handle being sick better than men. When I'm sick, my entire family knows about it. My sister's catching the next flight. (laughs) However, only 30% of men think the same thing. It also found that this is really pathetic for guys, and I've done this, so I am lumping myself into this pathetic group of sorry men. One in four Americans have posted a picture online to show that they were homesick, that they needed all of their followers and Facebook friends to know that they're really not doing well. More men have done this over women. 29% of men have posted a photo online versus 20% of women that have uploaded a photo of them being sick. Of those people, 60% of those respondents admitted they've shared a quote-unquote sick selfie. I have never shared a sick selfie and posted that on Instagram. All right, moving on to a couple other headlines before we wrap up the show. To piggyback off what we were talking about with the crime epidemic killing businesses, um, whether it be flower shops, whether it be, uh, there's so many at this point. I mean, look at Overton Square. It is a shell of the core that it used to be, right? These businesses just cannot continue doing business here. Ted Townsend, who you guys know, um, Greater Memphis Chamber CEO, he wrote the letter to the the governor and state legislators, something must be done, right? What Senator Brent Taylor needs is doing for us needs to be the template for city of Memphis officials to do here to protect our business community. And he spoke to Channel 5 about this, and I wanted to share it because I think it is interesting hearing the different voices concerning our crime problem, 19.
7: How do we address this? What is the role of the chamber? What I came to was, we have the mechanism of convening and carrying these business voices and concerns forward.
6: He says they formed the Public Safety Accountability Committee, a team that's been meeting with city and county leaders, like the district attorney, police chief, and judges.
7: To ask, what is your plan? What is your strategy? And how can we plug in? And so if we can advance legislation or, or the marshaling of more resources here, like we, we know other cities have done from their states, then that is what the role of the chamber is about we think that economic development is is prescriptive to the solutions for the precursors of crime Uh, poverty the lack of education and skills attainment
0: that's interesting a couple things in there he's going after their argument that the reason crime is so bad is, is poverty and poverty leads to more crime. And so they want to go back in time, jump in a time machine and go back 100 years. Actually, probably well before that, maybe before slavery. Um, and they want to start addressing our crime problem two centuries ago. And what he's making the case of and is, is that if we do not stop this crime problem, ASAP, if we don't like actually cure it right now, not in 10 years there will not be jobs for people in this city to do and work for these companies to pull themselves out of the poverty problem that they are in, right? If that is your reasoning, their circular reasoning is it's a vicious loop. The people are poor, they commit crimes. Well, if there's no businesses, there will be no opportunity for people to pull themselves up by the boot strings or straps or whatever you guys say and fix their problems, and that starts by having a nine to five. So good for Ted Townsend, because I know he's getting some heat for that. Another person taking a stab at our crime problem is the race baiting attorney, Benjamin Crump. Oh, Benjamin, he comes to Memphis anytime someone dies, not at the hands of law enforcement, but adjacent to law enforcement. It's, it's if he sees blue lives and our officers wearing the uniform, he will be in town holding a press conference. We know this is how this guy operates. Well, he says to fix crime, we should just change the definition of crime and therefore it will go down. Good too.
8: We can get rid of all the crime in America overnight, just like that. And people ask how, Attorney Crump, change the definition of crime. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you get to define what conduct is going to be made criminal, you can predict who the criminal is going to be. And it sounds like yeah, we're criminal, though. Yeah. Our existence no, is criminal. No, they made the laws. They made the law to criminalize our coaches, to black culture. Black mm-hmm. culture. I mean, and so when I think of Eric going I always think of stuff like that. Lucy's cigarettes. I did nothing. we sitting here the whole time running our business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we you, <laughs> you? doing Who got your cigarette to? Don't touch me. Don't hey, touch me. Big. All right. Hey, let's pull that down.
8: Gary lost his life. Yeah. And then. George Floyd was trying to buy cigarettes and so forth. So you have to think about the profiling things that they come up with, the profilers, for pretextual reasons. And it happens every day, y'all. They will come and say, you can't work. Wear- All
0: right, Ben Crump, again, making the argument that white supremacists made the laws in this country and they are discriminating against black people. So the law to not kill someone is discriminating against black people. Well, that's rather racist of Ben Crump to say because you are therefore making the argument that black people are just killing people. Right? Those are the only people killing Americans. I mean, these people are insane. And could go on and on and on, but we just don't have the time. So join us tomorrow, won't you? Starting at 7. See you then.